Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Joining us now, a man that needs no introduction because he is the epitome of Buccaneers coverage from Buccaneers.com, the one, the only, Scott Smith. Scott, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I was was just telling you guys before we started that uh, this podcast is dragging me away from a scintillating couple hours of watching Law and Order. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 the life we lead right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in my house, the office is always on. So ah, I mean, yes, yes. Ah, it's so good. I think yeah, my I think wife it's... has watched every single episode of Friends five <laughs> times over. <laughs> <laughs> That's a class one. Uh, Everybody loves Raymond is on regular rotation in my house. <laughs> Uh, between matches of Apex and occasional Call of Duty. So that's pretty much how it's going down here. Uh, but Scott, you know, uh, thanks for joining us again. As always, you joined us shortly before the NFL draft, so we wanted to get you on uh, as soon as possible after the draft as well. And, you know, there's all kinds of reactions out there. And, of course, there's the, all, the ever-popular grading of NFL draft classes immediately after they've been drafted. Uh, no training camps, no NFL games necessary. We just go out there and jump. And, and judge how these kids are going to turn out in the National Football League uh, before we ever even see them put on professional pads. And we did so at BuckStation.com as well, uh, as a matter of fact. I gave the class an A. James oh. gave them a B. I think, maybe was it a B plus? It was. Yeah, a B plus. And one of our other writers, Bailey Adams, who's on the show very, very often with James, also gave the class an A. And, and Scott, this is kind of how I wanted to lead this conversation tonight because – Bailey and I specifically got got called out a little bit by one of our readers, which is which is perfectly fine um, because we gave the class an A. And basically, we took the stance of we're not really going to criticize any picks, and and we'll freely admit that specifically Keyshawn Vaughn was not the player that we thought going into draft weekend that the Buccaneers would end up with. But the the position need was there, and we had, we had discussed that many times before. Um, what do you think of the practice of grading draft picks right after they've been drafted? Well, we all know it's kind of silly, but I hope it never goes away because I think I spent uh, a good number of hours each of the nights at the end of the draft and then uh, and, and then on Sunday trying to find as many of those links as I could because I'm sorry, it's just it's an entertaining read. And, and even if it doesn't mean anything, you still like to see outside uh, analysts tell you that you, they think your team did a good job, but the way you come up with a, with draft grades is pretty similar to the process of doing a mock draft, which is basically determining what you believe are a team's needs, top needs. And then in your mock draft, you give them the best player in your mind to fit that need. So at any point a team strays from that, then your mind as the grader, you're, you're downgrading them because they didn't hit the need that you had determined was the top need. I think in this particular case, it kind of comes together, though, because everybody and their grandma believed that the Buccaneers' top need and their top target in the first round was one of those top four offensive tackles. And I think it was probably true all along. So I would imagine the fact that the Buccaneers were able to land Tristan Wirfs uh, probably had a lot to do with your pretty decent grades. Again, 
I think I might have shared this this particular story before about the draft. Uh, the one that always comes to mind when I when I think about draft grades is the 2006 draft, and in that one, the Buccaneers drafted um, Davin Joseph in the first round, and all the mock drafts leading up to that said that the Buccaneers would take an offensive tackle, which they did need. And most of them gave us, I think, USC's Winston Justice. Well, when it, And you didn't see Davin Joseph's name in any mock draft in the first round. You just never saw him. So when the Buccaneers take Davin Joseph, and they hadn't let that leak that they liked the guy, because if they'd let that leak they liked the guy, then mock drafters would have put him in there in their mock drafts. And then when they did it, then they were doing the right thing. So because the Bucs hadn't let it leak that they liked this guy, when they took him, the graders were like, well, that was a reach. And then Winston Justice went late in the second round. And, and Philly, I think, gets credit for making a great pick. And David Joseph ends up as a pro bowler, and Winston Justice never did anything at all. So a lot of it has to do with how much information got out in the first place to help shape these mock drafts. Yeah, Scott, and that's, that's perfectly – and that's exactly how I went into it. I know that's how Bailey went into just reading it. Um, you know, the, the Buccaneers came into this class, like you said, with offensive tackle pretty much being the top need for most people, at least, uh, that cover the Bucks closely or are paying really close attention. And then after that, you had kind of a mix of running back and free safety and wide receiver being two, three, and four, just kind of depending on uh, the order there, you know, how you saw the roster and how you perceived the need yourself. And I kind of went in there with that comment and said, listen, just because uh, the Buccaneers didn't necessarily draft the running back at the, at the position, I felt it was like a second round need, if you want to call it that, um, instead of a third. And then I was a fan of J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, the, the, the typical suspects. Um, but because they took a different running back than the name that I, I was coming up with, I wasn't willing uh, to just give them a bad grade because, well, I didn't study Keyshawn Vaughn. That's more on me than it is on the team, obviously. Um, but I'm glad that you enjoyed them, Scott, because I definitely wanted to follow up with this. What is your grade coming out of draft weekend for this draft class? <laughs> well, I guess I'd have to go with an A, too, because um, it's funny that everybody uh, said pretty much the same thing you did, that um, tackle, safety, running back, receiver in some order was were the top needs. And and we, we talk about that going into a lot of drafts, and it's not often that you're essentially proven correct by the way the team handled the draft. And um, you, you're right about it could have gone in any order. I wonder – uh, if a certain running back or one of a couple running backs had been available at 45, if the Buccaneers would have pulled the trigger there, uh, missed out on Antoine Winfield, who they like a lot. But let's just hypothetically say they loved Jonathan Taylor. If Jonathan Taylor was still there at 45, you know, beginning with the last pick of the first round and then before the Bucs in the second round, there's a little bit of a run on running back. So maybe you have a tier and all those guys go before 45 and then you have another tier and you think, well, we can go ahead and take Winfield here, and one of these guys is still going to be available at 76. I like to think that's probably how it went down. I also think that getting Tyler Johnson in the fifth round is probably what solidifies the good grade for me because uh, you had to give up that fourth-round pick in that trade in the first round, and and uh, I'm feeling that given what they picked in the first three rounds, they probably would have targeted a receiver in the fourth round uh, but because of the way this draft fell and the huge run on all the receivers early on in the first couple rounds, and then only six went in rounds three and four, including only two in round four, and only one went before the Bucks in round five before they took Tyler Johnson. So we'll never know for sure, and I agree with you that every GM will say that he got the exact guy he wanted at every pick. 
But I think there's a pretty decent chance that Tyler Johnson would have been the guy we would have taken in the fourth round had we had a fourth round pick. So to me, yeah, you lost one player overall because you don't have fourth and fifth round pick, but you still were able to hit a key need with maybe the guy you would have taken in the fourth round anyway. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of your favorite beverage while you're watching all the Tom Brady film you can consume, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. No more trips to the store. No more late-night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Post made it. We are joined by Scott Smith of Buccaneers.com talking a little 2020 Buccaneers draft class. And Scott, kind of going back to you know the whole what fans were looking for in a player versus what the team did in reality. Paige Demakos uh, of the Draft Network was doing a live stream on Twitter with Coach Arian's son Jake, and they were discussing the the NFC South as far as as the draft went and I happened to, to click on it right as Paige and Jake were discussing J.K. Dobbins and and Keyshawn Vaughn and they were saying you know a lot of Bucks fans were upset that they passed on J.K. Dobbins when he was sitting right there you know to go with a lesser known Vanderbilt guy in round three because they wanted Antoine Winfield Jr. of course and they both had kind of decided that Buccaneers fans had gravitated towards the name and the popularity of Dobbins rather than seeing how he's not going to compliment Ronald Jones in the way that Keyshawn Vaughn will. How do you feel about the, the way that, that Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be able to compliment Ronald Jones compared to what somebody like Dobbins would have brought? Well, that's, I think a lot of that remains to be seen. I, I got to talk to um, Director of Player Personnel John Spitek right after the pick. And right after all the picks for the first six rounds, which was nice because it gives you a basic idea of, of what we liked about each guy rather than just regurgitating a scouting report. And I asked him about that and his pass catching ability because obviously, uh, uh, and Bruce Arians has, has said he, he wanted a, a guy who could be a threat in the passing game and could play on all three downs. And uh, I asked him about that. He said, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we intend to, to try to use him, you know, not just screen passes, but running routes out of the slot and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, nobody's willing to commit right away that, that he's going to be a 50, 60 catch guy, but I think they think he has some potential in that part of it. And, and to this point, I just think that Ronald Jones and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn are both guys that can contribute a lot. And you, no matter how much they perfectly complement each other in today's NFL, there aren't a lot of teams that are doing it with one running back. So, there's probably a number of backs that would have fit in terms of complimenting Ronald Jones. I'm just assuming that they liked Keyshawn Vaughn's 
traits overall. You know, Bruce Arians said that Keyshawn was not another David Johnson. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that's what they expected when they drafted him. Yeah, and Scott, I actually, uh, some of the things you tweeted from from John Spitek, uh during the NFL draft, I read off. I, I had the opportunity to interview Vanderbilt's running back coach uh, for the show, and that, that episode dropped Thursday. Um, I actually read those tweets to him uh, that you that you sent out, and, and he absolutely agreed with the assessment uh, of Keyshawn as a player and, and thinks that the Bucks really grabbed a solid oh, guy. And then, uh, obviously, you like the pick of Tyler Johnson. We like the pick of Tyler Johnson. I don't think I've, I've seen anybody yet who doesn't like the pick of uh, or the selection of Tyler Johnson, especially in the fifth round. Uh, talk about potential value there. And Bruce Arians himself, you know, in, in the in the media huddle after the pick or after the night was over, was talking about shaking, waiting to grab him, hoping that somebody didn't jump up or somebody yeah. ahead of them didn't steal him away from him. Uh, one of the comps that I saw kind of doing some research about the player during le- leading up to the draft was Stefan Diggs. And that's something that I've kind of been curious as to how people around the league see that. How do you feel – about that Stefan Diggs comp because I've also we've also had some Bucks fans uh, actually call in and compare him to Chris Godwin almost like almost like Chris Godwin light you know uh, if you want to call it that and then where do you see his fit for the Buccaneers and how do you think that he's going to work in with this group of Scotty Miller Justin Watson uh, and, and or after following Chris Godwin Mike Evans yeah I was going to actually bring up the Chris Godwin comp because um, they're similar in size um, and uh, I think they both just have a very good ability of getting open. Uh, they just are just have an innate ability to do that. I think they're also both very hardworking and smart guys. Uh, so there's a lot of similarities, I think, in the profile. Uh, I, I assume part of the reason Tyler Johnson didn't go in the first couple rounds was uh, maybe some of the measurables and uh, weren't off the charts. But he just has, as John Spitek was telling me, he just has a, an ability to get open and not just short and intermediate routes, which is what you would expect from his size and athletic profile, but he can do it deep as well. So where does he fit? Um, oh, I, I'm skipping the Stefan Diggs part. I, I, if you could help me out as to what specifically is the comparison there between him and Diggs, I, I'm not sure what that is. I think a little bit has to do with size. I mean, I think uh, Stefan Diggs clocked in a little bit faster than Tyler Johnson did, you know, on his 40 time. But I think both of them probably tend to play a little bit faster than their 40 time looked. I remember seeing Stefan when he, when he was in Maryland, I actually went and saw him play live against Ohio State. And even with kind of a lack of what you would call NFL talent around him, he actually did pretty well uh, from a functionality standpoint against one of the best defenses in, the, in, in, in college football that year. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of the, the muscle mentality. I think a lot of it has to do with kind of that fighting spirit, if you want to call it that. I think it's an interesting comp leading into the draft because uh, Stefan Diggs, another Big Ten wide receiver, also a fifth-round pick. So, I mean, the, the similarities are kind of fitting in there. I think that's where most of the comps come from. Oh, okay. I see. Well, as for uh, the fit in the offense, uh, he apparently is a guy they feel pretty good about him being able to do a lot of different roles. So, if you already have Chris Godwin, who you like to move around and who put up really good numbers out of the slot last year, played close to 50% of his snaps in the slot, um, you'd like to have another guy that's versatile as well. So, you can use both of those guys in a variety of ways and be a little unpredictable. Um, you know, he obviously Tyler still has to win that third receiver job, but uh, given the fact that I think he can operate out of the slot when, if you want to put uh, Chris on the outside or he can run on the outside, um, I, I think he'd probably be your favorite going into training camp, whatever training camp we have, um, to win that job. It just seems like a more versatile all-around guy than the other candidates. 
Before we started recording, Scott, we were talking a little bit about what Peter King did in his uh, Monday morning column for Pro Football Talk, and and it was incredible to read this breakdown that he did because this has absolutely been a dream scenario of mine. I I wouldn't care what NFL team it was with. I've always wanted to shadow a GM and a coaching staff for you know a month leading up to the draft and then sit in the war room and watch how they operate you know write a book about it or something so watching peter king get that opportunity via virtual technology it was an incredible breakdown what was your biggest takeaway from how how peter king broke down all the deals that jason light was trying to make and and people that were calling jason to try to get his pick that he's shooting down because he's trying to work his way up into the top 10 and just kind of everything that that Peter King was able to capture there. Well, my first reaction to it was was jealousy. Um, like you said, I would have loved that, but I'm also not a decades-long national high-profile NFL writer, so I can understand why Peter King gets that opportunity. Um, and, you know, it takes – I think he even said in that article that he's not been able to get a team to agree to do it every year. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it takes a willing guy on the other end to let you in. And my biggest takeaway from that is, is along the lines of what you were saying, uh, we, we saw uh, Peter King outlining conversations that, uh, that Jason was having with teams as high as, I think, number seven, Carolina, and, and pretty much everybody else in between. Just, that doesn't mean he necessarily would have pulled the trigger on deal, but he was at least contemplating it and getting finding out what it would take and, and if it was even possible. And as it turned out, it wasn't possible in most of those picks because all those teams just wanted to stay put and take the guy that was there for them. Um, and when you look at draft value charts and, and previous trades, and I've been saying it and putting articles for weeks now, if you're going to move into the seven to nine range, it was almost certainly going to cost you your second round pick. And that would have been, that would have been a little tough to swallow, you know, um, giving up both of your first two picks when you're in win now mode for one player, no matter how coveted he is, would have been tough to swallow. But maybe that also shows us just how important filling that right tackle position was for Jason Light. Um, then you get into the 10, 11, 12 range, and then you start talking about, do we have to give up a third round pick? And as it turns out, the, the pick was just the fourth round pick, which I think considering that Jason Light seemed, in, seemed intent on being willing to trade if necessary to get his man ending up only having to give up a fourth round pick was pretty great. And, and you did mention that he's getting calls from teams behind him. So you wonder if the Buccaneers plan, if they missed out on the top four was to move back a little bit and then dip into the second tier of tackles. It certainly seems like that was possible. Yeah. And I, I remember Peter had mentioned that Minnesota was one of the teams that called up trying to move up. And I, I found that to be funny because, you know, the, the report said that, I, I'm pretty sure it was Jason. It might have been somebody else that said, no, 22 is too low. And that was the exact spot that David and I traded to in our, our locked on NFL mock draft. And it's like, okay, so we, we had the right idea. And so did the, the locked on Vikings host. So were the Vikings trying to move up to get one of the top receivers? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Now, Scott, obviously, uh, you know, leading to the draft and everything that went went on, you know, speculation runs rampant. And as much as we would all love to be out of the speculation season and into uh, things actually happening and coming together, there's still some time to speculate. So the last question I wanted to ask you uh, before we move on to our final topic tonight is, 
who do you feel like from this draft class is the biggest sleeper to become a starter? And some caveats to that, right? So obviously Tristan Worse, I think pretty much everybody outside the franchise at least expects him to slide into that right tackle spot. Antoine Winfield Jr. figures to be a favorite uh, to get a starting job, uh, probably at free safety coming into training camp, uh, assuming there is a training camp. And then I want to take Tyler Johnson off the board just because I know how smart and intelligent you are, and I don't want you to use the three receivers are kind of, oh. kind of considered to be starters. So I want to take Tyler Johnson off the board too, which I know puts you almost in the same predicament as you might be if you were expected to find a starter in the sixth round. <laughs> but uh, put in that position I just unfairly put you in, who do you think the biggest sleeper is to earn a starting role from this draft class? All right, so to break it down, I'm left with Keyshawn Vaughn, um, Khalil Davis, uh, Chappelle Russell, and Raymond Calais, right? Essentially, yes. So Chappelle Russell, how could he – I mean, barring injury, and I don't want to talk about that, and it would probably take a couple injuries. How could you possibly imagine him starting on a team that has Lante David and um, and Devin White and Kevin Minter backing up? And then um, Raymond Calais certainly seems like a complimentary piece. I, I He doesn't seem to profile as a three-down starting running back in the NFL. Uh, so Khalil Davis is is joining a group of Vita Vea and Indomitian Sioux. Um, and then if you're in your, your base set with three down linemen, Will Golston, and then uh, Keyshawn Vaughn joins Ronald, uh, Ronald Jones. And, you know, even Ronald Jones, uh, when he clearly became the more effective back last year, didn't even take the job away from Peyton Barber till halfway through the year. So even if Keyshawn Vaughn's great, I'm not sure he takes the starting job real quickly. So I guess I'm left with maybe Khalil Davis uh unseats will golston possibly as a starter when you're in your base packages uh, i don't think there's a good answer here but that's the one i'll go with so that's kind of the, the closest you're going to get which i think is really fair and and honestly i like that answer because i think it really speaks to the lack of holes really remaining uh, on this roster and i know that you on buccaneers.com you wrote uh, something i think it's part of your mailbag right you responded to an answer and kind of talked about that as well as really just how good this roster seems to be now on paper yeah, at the very least, it, it certainly seems that the team has players identified for pretty much all the starting spots now. Um, it, it, it's hard to find, you know, safety's going to be a good competition. But other than that, I don't know where a guy would come into this season. You know, Tristan Wirfs, obviously, you expect him to be the right tackle, but where a young guy, a rookie, comes in with a clear path to a starting lineup. I thought for sure you were going to loophole David there and name Calais the starting kick returner. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. I didn't know I could go that tricky. Wrapping up our post NFL draft coverage with Scott Smith from Buccaneers.com joining us today. And Scott, uh, something that, you know, after the draft that came out that was news, newsworthy is OJ Howard's fifth year option being, uh, being picked up by the team, uh, broken by pewter report. So kudos to them for doing that. Um, what were your initial? Uh, what were your initial thought about OJ Howard being his having his option picked up? I know there's been a lot of speculation surrounding him, really, for I would say probably two years now. You know, it's always fun when uh, news that you already have a story written for, but you're just waiting for whatever hurdles have to be cleared for you to be cleared to actually put it up gets broken somewhere else, uh, which is the case here. Um, but that's just the that's the reality of the different types of jobs that. I have from some people covering the team, but um, I, in, in a skeptical way, I wonder, does the 
picking up of the fifth year option really change? Does it, would it would it make people stop um, contemplating the possibility of a trade for OJ Howard? Because I mean, we've been talking about that for like a year and a half now. Because if if you had a guy, if you had this first round pick that some other team might still be interested in, like like the way that the Ravens were able to trade Hayden Hurst for a second and a fifth even though he really wasn't a very accomplished player yet, but I'm sure they still had a nice grade on this former first-round pick, the Falcons did. If you were trying to trade O.J. Howard, wouldn't it be a positive that the team that got him would now have him under contract for two years rather than just one? I mean, yeah, I would, I would absolutely think so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad. I, I, what I hope, and, and certainly what the team is saying, is that they think there's, an, there's a good chance, there's a good way to use all of these um, talented and productive tight ends in the offense. And that's certainly, I believe them. And that's certainly what I think is going to happen, but I don't see how picking up the fifth round option um, changes the narrative about how much from the outside about how much the Buccaneers want to keep OJ Howard. I think we should, and I think we will, but I'm not sure that changes anything. Yeah. It, it certainly seems to have kind of simmered the speculation, but as, as, David and I were discussing earlier, it's very similar to basically what the Buccaneers went through last year. They picked up Vernon Hargrave's option and then released him during the season where he went and was was picked up by the Houston Texans. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe they exercised his his fifth-year option or they didn't honor it in, in some fashion. Um, so would obviously picking up the option – shows that the Buccaneers want to be committed to O.J. Howard, you know, for 2020 and 2021. But in your opinion, that certainly wouldn't stop them from from making a move if the right one came along in what is an incredibly talented but also overcrowded tight end room. Yeah, that's my point. And I'm just actually just speaking in theoretics here, just if I were if I were a team that wanted to acquire – a player that I thought I could get more out of than where what he produced at his last stop, it would be a it would be a bonus, but it would be an advantage if you had him under contract for another season because then if you do have a good 2020 with him, you've got 2021 already taken care of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the better takeaway is the one that everybody is making that the Buccaneers do still value OJ Howard very highly and, and think he can be productive in this offense, even with Rob Gronkowski. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's good news. Yeah, most definitely, Scott. And then, of course, some of the other news that was kind of trickling out, if you want to call it news, uh, the person who was centered around didn't think it should have been news. But, uh, you know, just want to get your commentary on it, basically, because it's kind of been out there. But Rob Gronkowski, who says he was joking around when he said that he had the Buccaneers playbook weeks in advance of the actual trade going through between the Patriots and the Buccaneers, and then tweeting, I think it was tweeting or Instagrammed out that the uh, that the playbook uh, had arrived to his home, and it was like still in his package. He was like, "Look, guys, everything's fine. It was just a joke. I'm a fun guy. You know, everybody laugh at Rob." Um, what were your thoughts of that whole thing going through? Obviously, you know um, the the potential. I mean, it, this is twice now, right? And so, is this kind of like the new Buccaneers landscape? Because you know, there was there were some some rumblings behind the scenes about Tom Brady stopping by Byron Leftwich's house. Uh, as he arrived to Tampa, and then this whole thing came up. Um, I've already seen some Bucks fans who are kind of like, okay, so this is what it was like to be a Pats fan this whole time, constantly seeing your team in the news being accused of cheating. Do you think that's just kind of the new Bucks landscape, or do you think this is 
I don't know, is this kind of isolated or is this the last we're going to hear this kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, I don't think I have any insight on that that you guys don't already have, to be honest with you. I, I can read the same things. I'm, I'm stuck in my house, too. I can read the same things that, that he says and, and the reports about Tom Brady and that the NFL has already said was not a problem going over to Byron Leftwich's house. So I, I don't really think I have much to add on that one. All right. Well, Scott, we certainly appreciate uh, some of your time. And, and again, we're very sorry to pro- pull you away from laundry and, and law and order to to twist your arm to do this. But what are all the things that you have coming up over at Buccaneers.com? That's what we got to figure out now. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we really are pleased with um, our readership, the numbers um, in the last, this whole offseason, ever since we've We've had to kind of produce in this new landscape, and um, I think we've done a good job of producing a ton of content, but it's a lot easier when you got the draft coming up and when you had free agency to work with. And when you're making all these incredible signings and trades, uh, now we go into a period where it would normally be OTAs and you'd have plenty of time to talk to players and come up with all kinds of content, not just written, but video stuff. And we have all these great video producers who produce such great content. And um I think that's going to be the challenge going forward. Let's let's figure out what we can do in this landscape before we get all the players and coaches back on the field. But you know, it's a fun problem to have. I enjoy this job, and and uh, you know, this is just a new challenge. So I think it'll be fun. All right. Well, again, we certainly appreciate some of your time tonight, Scott. Thank you so much. Oh, I always appreciate it too. I, I enjoy this. Thanks, guys. Call me anytime, please. All right, you can check out everything Scott is doing over at Buccaneers.com and follow him on Twitter at Scott S. Bucks. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding weekend. Be safe, be healthy, wash your hands, and we thank you so much for joining us right here at LockedOnBucks.